Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hey, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Bowen, here with Ali Herbert-Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, we're talking about two brand new things this week. I'm very pleased to announce that we're talking about The Great Australian Bake Off, which has joined Binge all previous seasons and we're fast-tracking every week the new episode. So we've got Bake Off. And then we've got a new ecological thriller called The Swarm that comes to us from Europe. And then our dinner party recommendations are hidden gems that we love on Binge. Awesome. Well, shall we head to the Bake Off shed for the great Australian Bake Off? Are you excited about the series? I want to say I'm hungry. Oh, snap. So hungry. <laughs> oh, I have a checklist with everything that we need. Oh, that is great, because we do not want to forget anything on our first day. Nope. What's first? Okay. Two shockingly handsome hosts, and I'm looking at one right here. Snap. <laughs> Yes. The Great Australian Bake Off is back for its sixth season, and for the first time, we're also thrilled to have it streaming on Binge. With a new set of hosts, judges, and amateur bakers, the Australian edition of the Global Juggernaut joins our vast collection of bake-offs from around the world, including British, Canadian, Kiwi, and Kenyan versions. Ali, I love this show. You love this show. What more do we need to say? I think I described your show a few weeks ago as giving you a big warm hug. And I, I think that's also a perfect way to describe Bake Off because when you watch it, isn't it nice to watch something that is kind and uplifting and sweet and, you know, when you've had a full-on day or a bad day, it's just so nice. There's no reality, you know, setups or nastiness. It's really uplifting and great to have a fresh lineup. There's lots of reasons, I think, that we've got some new faces and some new people in the show, which we can get into. But, yeah, just great to see it back. Yeah, so I admittedly only got into Great British Bake Off over the last few years, especially in lockdown, but was able to binge my way through all of them on binge. We've since added Kenyan and Kiwi and Celebrity and Professionals and the various versions of this very, very popular format, which is basically made everywhere in the world. Have we got um, all seasons of the British one? Because it's been going for years. Yes. Oh, cool. Yes, we've, you can go back to Series 1, Ep 1 of the Great British Bake Off. And the format is surprisingly sturdy. I would say not a lot has changed. And I think that just speaks to the sort of strength of the format. Every episode, there's a signature challenge, there's a technical challenge, and there's a showstopper challenge. And then very sadly, someone has to leave and they all get very upset because they all love each other so much and they're all so, so supportive. Kind, so if you've ever watched the show, you kind of know what the gist is. But yeah, as we alluded to, this is season six of the Australian version. We've got all six seasons up on binge. Seasons one through five had a different host and judging pair and season six has been a bit of a reboot this time around and we're now dropping those episodes weekly as they go out with the rest of Australia. If you've ever seen the show, you know the hosts are always a sort of comedic duo. This time it's Cal Wilson and Natalie Tran who do an excellent job. Don't they? They're um, great. They were so fresh. I yeah. love the beginning as well to the show. Yeah. And so seasons one to five, which 
that are also now available for you to watch were hosted by Claire Hooper and Mel Buttle. But the judges this season are Darren Purchase and Rachel Koo, who are just like literally world-class <laughs> bakers and, and chefs. They're, um, both, they're and... both British, aren't they? But Darren lives in Melbourne. I think lots of you might know him from MasterChef. If you live in Melbourne or you're visiting, he's a pastry expert and a place on Chapel Street. So you can actually go and buy his wares. Yeah. Um, and Rachel Koo has had a number of shows. She's sort of known for her like Parisian take on things as well. But yeah, it's just a great version of the format. We're so thrilled to be able to share it with our binge viewers. So John, during lockdown, we did a bake-off challenge at home and over Zoom, we all made cakes and then judge, we, we did it from the Australian Women's Weekly cookbook, didn't we? Yep. And I love that you went out to the shop and bought, I think you made the pool, like the jelly pool. The jelly pool, um, yeah. With the biscuit around at the pool fence and everything. Anyone that was kind of, I don't know, 80s, 70s, 80s, but 90s baby might know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, sorry. Every birthday, you got to choose which cake you wanted someone to make you or your parents to make you for your birthday. And I remember you went out and you won the competition, which was scandalous because <laughs> you hadn't cooked a cake before and you won. And I don't know if we all voted because we were just so proud of you or I actually remember it being quite exceptional. You even had a slide and everything on it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the reason I say this is I'm not a great chef, as my husband would attest, and I didn't really get, I mean, on MasterChef you see people cook, they have dessert challenges and lots of different types of food, but the thing I like about Bake Off is, and if you're a baker you would know this, that it's different to being just a general great cook or chef of savoury food or non-dessert food, but baking is really, you know, it's it's all about the desserts, isn't it? So Bake Off is... It's really focused in that regard compared to other cooking shows. It is a really nice thing to do when you make someone a cake, I suppose. Is that why it's so nice? Yeah. Well, episode one was Cake Week, which is traditionally how the show kicks off. Next week's episode is Biscuit Week. But yeah, whether you're all up to date with the British and Kenyan and Kiwi and Australian versions and you're watching season six weekly, or if you just want to discover the Australian version for the first time and start at season one, ep one, you've got a bunch of seasons to get through. As I mentioned, the earlier seasons were hosted by Claire Hooper and Mel Buttle and were judged by Matt Moran and Maggie Veer. I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but I think Maggie might be making an appearance in season six. So I think you might also get your Maggie fix in, in season yeah. six. But yeah, we're thrilled to have it all up on binge. So jump in any season, any episode, really. just And good luck not getting hungry enjoy. watching it. Uh, last night I was just like, oh, my God, I wanted that sponge cake. <laughs> it was yeah. really good. And there was one with all this caramel and hazelnut and I just, yeah, we had nothing sweet yeah. in the house. Yeah. So, like we said, seasons one through five of The Great British Bake Off are all there for you to watch. And season six is now dropping weekly with new episodes available each Tuesday on Binge with the finale coming out August 15th. So catch up before the finale. Otherwise, spoilers. Literally comfort viewing to get us through winter. Love it. Yes. yes. With their first signature bakes complete, it's time for the bakers to test their talents in the technical challenge. Bakers, welcome to your first ever technical bake where the judges set you a recipe, they give you a time limit, but they leave out some important information like where they live, how much money they have, what their credit card number is. <laughs> Today's technical bake has been set by the divine Rachel Koo, a woman so beloved by nature that pigeons call her name. <laughs> Rachel! Rachel! Well, from Bake Off, the friendly world of Bake Off, to the scary world of the swarm. They say we know more about space than the oceans. 
The idea of not being alone is strangely comforting. Based on the novel of the same name, The Swarm is a new eight-part thriller about an emerging threat from the ocean that might just be nature's way of taking revenge on man. Ali, this is a really interesting series for a number of reasons. I'll start with my, like, nerdy production TV side. We've mentioned this before with another series, and I can't remember what it was, but especially in Europe, they love a co-production. They love to get countries together because it helps fund something. And then sometimes that can result in sort of awkward shows where like one episode you're in Sweden, one you're in France, and it doesn't really make sense. But what they've gotten really good at is finding these great stories to tell a kind of across country. So you think of something like The Bridge, which is a co-production between two countries where a murder literally takes place on a bridge between the two countries. And The Swarm is this like quite globe-trotting series. Big budget, um, big budget. Big, big budget. It's actually, don't quote me on this, but I, I think it is Germany's most expensive drama ever but it's a german belgian french italian austrian sweden swiss japanese co-production so the united nations a globetrotting series yeah it's a globetrotting series and partially that is because at least in the first episode scientists are sort of starting to notice some weird things are happening in the oceans and Going into this, part of you is like, oh, is this like Jaws? Like, is this a sort of like a monster movie going to get attacked by a monster thing? Or, and I think this might be where it's going, is it more like Independence Day? (laughs) There is something much bigger than any of us think. And in this case, it's kind of dwelling in the oceans and it is slowly coming to take us all. I think I'm with you there because I've watched the first episode and I I really lent in on this one. I really wanted to know what was happening. My husband works in the energy and environment space so it was definitely one we were watching together and at the end it was like oh let's watch the next one and it was only because it was too late that we didn't so we're going to get stuck into and binge the rest of this I I like that about the co-production element and I I don't know if there was a Canadian broadcaster involved or they were just taking you around the world but you start off with different humans out in the ocean doing things two people that run a whale watching business in Canada you've got a scientist who's off the coast in the Shetland Islands or somewhere up in Scotland there's like a Peruvian fisherman on it, like a canoe. That's right, at the very beginning. Yeah, that, it was a Norway yeah. one or whatever. So you're kind of like people in various different parts of the ocean, there's something kind of happening under the water. But in one location, it's got lots of little bits coming up, like floating in the water, and it's setting off all their you know, scientists' water sensors. In Peru, it was you know, a fisherman's net gets stuck on something. He dives down to get it, and he doesn't come back. So, yeah, you kind of like spend the whole first episode going – Oh, how, how nefarious is this? What's really happening here? Yeah. And then at the end, kind of killer whales become like properly angry killer whales, don't they? And kind of go after a boat full of people. Yeah. So I feel like what's going to happen is we've stuffed up the world so much that it's almost the sea rising up against us or there's, you know, maybe there's life under the ocean that's getting, you know, stacking in. I think the fact that it's setting you up to be like, oh, Peru, Canada, all these different things happening all around the world, I think is meant to like give you a hint of the scale of what is happening. In one scene, it's just fish. In one scene, it's whales. In one scene, it's like, you're not sure what's happening. And I think what we're leaning towards, and I don't know sort of how sci-fi this gets or not, but it does feel like Nature is like had enough of humanity and is taking its revenge. So I know it's been described as like an eco thriller. My hint is that I think maybe the bad guys in this series are. are are But for me, what I liked about the first episode is because you're following different people's stories of, you know, what they're doing in the ocean. 
I very quickly, I was worried about them. Like I thought it, it built the emotion and like the kind of human component to it. Like the guy that was on the whale watching boat in Canada, I was instantly like, that was really gripping that final scene. And then the the scientist woman in Scotland and, you know, she goes to the pub and meets this guy and he's kind of getting drawn into it. Like there were some really cool, I thought, emotional components to the story and character building as well. So it was, yeah, it was sticky. Yeah. One of the comparisons I thought of was, you know how like in an airplane disaster film, there's always that scene at like the airport where you're like, you've got like the happy family with the kids and the nuns and like the (laughs) busy businessman kind of thing. And it's like, it's setting the tone and then they get on the plane and obviously then something happens. I kind of felt like it was setting the tone for these like different threads. And then by the end of the first episode, there's a very dramatic, very like intense sort of scene where things get real and then yeah makes you very much want to want to keep watching but the episode builds to that really well as well it kind of was built yeah there's a very yeah it really was like like i said it was quite late at night but i was like super leaning in and going oh my god what's happening oh my god i didn't want to miss a bit of it yeah it really built the tension because there is that uncertainty of like oh just this thing floating in the ocean and then yeah without spoiling it there's a very dramatic scene at, at the end of the first step which i think will have you hooked so if you do want to check out The Swarm, all, all eight episodes, it's streaming for you right now on Binge. So get oh, into good. it. Oh, good. I can uh, binge it. Make... I can finish it. Okay, good. Yeah. And then maybe reflect on how much private jet use or how much recycling you do. You think they're bite marks? Well, it's going to buy an orca. Come in this morning. I fever, acute diarrhea. Hold him down! I don't know how fast it's spreading. We need to get them away from the coast. Hey, do you see that? the hell is that well john we've talked about what's new on binge this week what about your hidden gems the things that you know because you know everything that happens on binge or that you tell your friends about when you catch up with them at dinner well as my friends will attest to i do talk about the same things a lot (laughs) so apologies that this is a little similar to some other dinner party recommendations i've given lately but this one's too good not to mention and it is in one of my favorite carousels on binge which is television about movies carousel because 2023 is the 100th anniversary of warner brothers the iconic film studio produced by warner brothers to kind of celebrate their 100th year it's a four-part series and kind of goes from the very beginning right up to now it's narrated by morgan freeman so excellent sort of dulcet tones to give you all this great history but it's also just got like a cavalcade of amazing talking heads because basically everyone who's ever worked in entertainment has had something to do with Warner Brothers at some point. They're like so the, it's like the George... biggest of the big, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So you've got like George Clooney and Martin Scorsese and Oprah Winfrey and Christopher Nolan and Patty Jenkins and all these people talking about how amazing Warner Brothers was and what it changed in storytelling and technology and the way it pushed things forward. Is it just looking at the um, film, that the movie studio side or the whole? No, the, no like, they get into everything. They get into, it starts out with like how they were able to sync up audio to, you know, movement. And and then it gets like all the way up into, you know, this superhero films and, and all that. But yeah, the, the really early history is what I found sort of most interesting because I guess I knew the least about it. I didn't realize there were four brothers. They immigrated as kids from Poland they've got a a Jewish background Warner's not even their last name it's sort of their like you know as happened back in the day was their anglicized name their actual last name was Wansel I think it's pronounced but yeah it's just a fascinating history you know I love my little corporate corporate history stuff but yeah it was it was really interesting and you know as is always the case there's some controversy there's some tragedy one of the brothers dies just as their first big hit is released like the day before the premiere. It's a relatively sort of frank look at 
some of the bad things that Warner Brothers did and obviously some of the some of the great things they've done as well. Okay. So, so it's their history of themselves, but it's not sanitized or it's a it's no, a really, no, that, yeah, true. That that's what I thought going in. I was like, oh, is this just gonna be a bit of like a big ad for Warner Brothers? But no, I, I found it really, really interesting. Oh, God. So, okay, I'm gonna watch it. I'm I should have watched it by now. When we were in LA recently, they had on the lot at the Warner's lot the big celebrating 100 years and it was up on their flags and on their big water tower. So yeah, it must be the year of it all. Does it get into some of the animation and Looney, Looney yeah, Tunes? Yeah. And, yeah, cool. Yeah. It just makes you realize how iconic it is and how many big films have, have come out of Warner Brothers. So okay, I'm definitely adding yeah. that to the watch list. This is exactly why we have dinner party recommendations. Thank yeah. you. So that, that is 100 years of Warner Brothers. So for it. And all of them are up now we can watch? Great. Yep, all streaming. Cool. Well, we, you know, you'd think that we would coordinate considering we work together. But we and never we, do. <laughs> we are both, but look, <laughs> hey, I've got a superhero of Warner Brothers recommendation as well this week because, and we talked last week about Spider-Man, the animated Spider-Verse and how it's going off at the cinemas along with Transformers. And we have a lot of Spider-Man and Transformers content on binge. So check that out. But The Flash is hitting the cinemas. I think it had its Australian premiere yesterday. So you'll start to be able to go and watch that in the cinema. And it got me thinking about all the Justice League's films where the Flash character plays a large role. And they're formed, they're part of the broader Destination DC binge centre and carousels that we have that yeah, really take you inside the DC world and the film and, and a lot of series as well. We don't just have the Justice League film, Ali. We've got three versions of we the Justice do. League film. We have the <laughs> original one and then we have Zack Snyder's Justice League, which came out in 2021. We were, we personally crusaded for its release in Australia, didn't we, John? Yes. And then because why not? They did a whole black and white version of Justice League. And look, when Zack Snyder's Justice League went on to binge, it was just so huge a few years ago. Most people that were subscribed at the time watched it. It's still one of the most watched films ever. It's a really long, awesome film. I loved it. And The Flash is great in Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's getting lots of talk, isn't it, this film? So I think it's going to be, yeah. And outside the films, we've got Superman and Lois. It's airing new apps at the moment. And that's just been We renewed. haven't talked about and... that for a while. That's super popular, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we're still waiting to hear about when season two is going to drop, but we've also got Peacemaker, which has been another big DC title for us. And we know everybody loved. Check out the DC collections. Well, there you go. All right, yeah. enough from us. What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. So as we've just said, this week we discussed The Swarm, The Great Australian Bake Off. I recommended that you check out the new documentary series, 100 Years of Warner Brothers, and Ali reminded you about all the great DC titles that we have on Binge. All of these are streaming for you right now on Binge, which of course you can find on your favourite device. I'm John Boehm, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Darren Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chrissy Yates, and we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro. <laughs>